I'd like to give you a very warm welcome to our evening service here tonight. Uh, welcome you that are here with us in the building and those that are joining us online. And um, just wanted to say what an encouragement it's been this weekend. We had our um, ACE and Action um, event this uh, Friday just gone. And it was just such a thrill to see so many uh, young people and children down here. And I think we sometimes forget, um, as a church down here, how blessed we are with the young people that we have and the children that we have down here. And like looking out now, it's so wonderful to see some of the younger ones with us as well, joining us tonight. And um, just a a real blessing it's been. And um, I was speaking to the children this morning, and I was talking about um, God and his faithfulness. And I read from them, uh, from 2 Timothy, and I'd like just to read a couple of verses again. Uh, We read from verse 13, but I want to read from 14 as well. And it reads, If we endure... We will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. But if we are if if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And read thirteen again. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And I was teaching the children how wonderful it is that that we can change. Things can change in this world, but God never changes, and God has so much love for His people. And it's such an encouragement, isn't it, to know that when, when things happen into us in our lives, when things go wrong, when um, incidents happen, God is always faithful and God never changes and God is in total control. I just think it was a real, a real blessing this Friday just gone and just remembering how faithful our God is. Now, continuing on from that, we're going to sing our first song this, morning, this evening. Sorry, um, Come praise and glorify our God, the Father of our Lord. In Christ he has in heavenly realms his blessing on us poured. For pure and blameless in his sight he destined us to be and now we've been adopted through his son eternally. Please stand when the music starts. Just a, a reminder again for Thursday evening, we have a prayer meeting down here and I encourage you all to come along. It's such a great thing, isn't it, when we join together and we pray as a church. Things do get done when we pray, don't they? 
And um, just a reminder as well that we have a, a short church meeting afterwards, and it'd be a real encouragement to have as many of you there as we possibly can. So shall we pray to our God? Heavenly Father, we were just singing then, come praise and glorify our God. And Lord God, that is what we want to do. We want to give you all the praise. We want to give you all the glory because you are our great God. You are the God who saves. Lord God, we thank you so much that you are a God of love. You are a God of compassion. You are a faithful God. You are a God that never changes. You are the same yesterday, today and forever. And Lord God, we thank you so much that even though we do not deserve your love, we do not deserve your grace, Lord, you have shown it to us in such abundance. Lord, we thank you so much that we come before a God that sees all the things inside of us that we do wrong. You see all the things we think. Lord, you have such a long list. Yet if we put our trust in you and in your Son, that they are taken away, as Tony said today, as far as the east is from the west, and we thank you so much for that. But Lord, as we come to worship this great God, we pray, Lord God, that you can help us to live our lives in a right way, that you can help us to be more like Jesus day by day. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to work within us. We need you in every inch and every step of our lives, Lord. We just pray that you will bless us, Lord. Lord, help us to be more like Christ. Help us to be somebody that can further your kingdom, that can work for you, because that's what we long for, Lord. You have shown us such love and such compassion and such mercy, and we just really want to to do more for you, Lord. We want to give back to you. We want to grow your kingdom. And Lord, I just really do pray from the bottom of my heart that as we, as a church here, Lord, we really want to sing your praises to all of those around and about us, whether it's in this town or our friends or our family or anyone around and about us that we know. We pray that we can have opportunities to speak the wonders of your love and your mercy. Lord, it was such an encouragement on Thursday to hear Luke speak at our anniversary service and how he was saying about how over the many years this church has been so faithful. And Lord, it is so wonderful to have all those years behind us and yet we're still here, a thriving church that has still got Christ and your word at the centre of everything that we do. But we pray that we will not take that for granted, God. We know that that has come with many prayers and keeping your word central, keeping Jesus central. And we pray as we go forward, Lord, that you continue to help us to put first things first. Lord God, we come before you today and we just thank you so much for for another Sunday. We thank you so much for the message we heard this morning and the ministry from Mark. We thank you so much for the teaching that went on in Sunday school and in Rooted. And Lord, as um, I, I spoke just at the start, what an encouragement it is to have so many young folk and children that come to our church premises and hear a clear gospel message. Lord, we think about that event on Friday and we think about not just the children that came, but there was many parents that sat around as well that we were, ma- we were able to have contact with. Lord, we know that many of them sat in on the talk as well and we just really pray that, that maybe those messages that they heard and listened to on Friday, Lord, that might be the seed that is planted. That might be a start of a relationship with you. And we just really do pray, Lord God, that these people that we meet in our everyday lives, Lord, that, that have been coming to First Steps or been coming to Sunday School, Lord, that you will build those relationships up with the parents, that they will want to come, they will want their children to come. But most importantly, we want to see them know the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to see Jesus in their lives. Lord, we do thank you for the First Steps group. We thank you for, for the wonderful work that they do, the love and the care that they show to those children and the kindness and compassion they show to the parents as well. And we just pray, Lord God, that you will continue to to build that work up. Lord God, we thank you for for the Sunday School and for Rooted. We thank you so much for, for all the teachers, all that they do week by week. Lord, there is so much preparation that goes into into it week by week. And I just pray that you will encourage them, that you will continue to build them up. Lord, we know that many of us have heavy workloads, but but Lord, we pray that the workload for, for the Lord will not be heavy that it will be light, that it will be something that we really, really want to do, that we will be bursting to want to come in week by week to teach these children a life-changing message. Lord, we really do pray for all the, the young people and the children that come through these doors, Lord. We really do pray that their lives will be changed, that your word will be working in their hearts. 
Lord, we just really do pray that, that you will encourage those that might be feeling um, a bit low at the moment, Lord, that things might be too much for them, Lord. Just really do encourage them, we do pray. Lord, we, we thank you so much for, for so many things that you give us in this church. And, and one thing that really stuck out for me on, on um, Thursday as well is how Luke said how many places he had heard the gospel spoken to him in these church premises. And it is so true. I was, I was sitting there myself counting how many places have I been where I've heard a message spoken to me here. And it is so wonderful to know that there are so many places that this is a church, this is a people here that love your word, that want to spread it far and wide and long may it continue. And I pray that you will bless us here through that work. Lord God, we do pray for those that, that have wandered from us from here. Lord, there are many that, that have come through our Sunday school and are rooted and come to church here, yet they're not here with us anymore. And Lord, their hearts might be heavy, they might be hard towards your gospel. And we pray for them all the time. We pray with heavy hearts sometimes. But one thing that it is such an encouragement, it is not us that does the work, but it is you. And I do pray that any of those that are stony of heart at the moment, that look like they have no interest at all, I just really do pray that you will melt those stony hearts, Lord, and that you will bring them back to you. And we thank you that you are a God, like we just sang, a God that saves. Lord, we think about today and we think about Father's Day and we think about how we celebrate what our fathers have done and it's uh, such an encouragement when your children write write you a card and, and give you a present. But what's been wonderful today is to think about the greatest Father of all, our Lord and Heavenly Father, the Father that gives us all good things, gives us all things that we need and we thank you for him. But we know that there are many that are sad today because they have lost fathers, whether it's been in recent times or in the past, and we just especially pray for them. Really do comfort them, really do draw near to them and help them through this day. Help them to realise that, that they have lost a father that they love dearly, but they have an even greater father in heaven who loves them so much that his love is bursting out for them. Lord, we pray for those at this time that are, have been poor, poorly um, or ill in hospital. We pray that you'll continue to be with them. Lord, we pray that you'll continue to help them to recuperate, help them to come back into the fold with us here where we can see them in person again and enjoy our company together. And Lord, we especially pray for, for Mrs. Rowell as well as she moves up to um, up to um, the north this, this week. Lord, we just really do pray that you will be with her, especially on that journey up there. Lord, it is... Um, such a long way to go, but I just really do pray that you will be with her, that you will settle her in, and that you will continue to bless her and comfort her. Lord, we know so much that she she draws her strength from you. Lord, she's been such a faithful witness in this church, and we're all going to miss her as she goes. And we just really do pray for the family, that they um, are really helped as they look after her. And I pray that you continue to bless her and be with her like you have been through all her life. Lord God, I pray now as John comes to preach to us, Lord, again, we thank you so much for his ministry. We thank you so much for, for all that he does for us here as a church. Lord, he's such an encouragement. He's such a, a good friend to have. And Lord, we thank you so much for the way that he teaches and preaches and brings your word to life for us. And I pray again that as he speaks, your word will come alive, that it will be passionate, it will be mighty. And I, Lord, that some of us, even sitting in here now, who sometimes might switch off or, or have a stony heart towards the word. Lord, that those hearts will be softened again and that our ears will be opened, our eyes will be opened to what we hear. Bless John as he speaks to us. Give him encouragement as he brings this word to us. And may he be your mouthpiece. So Lord God, be with us now as we continue. Help us as we sing your praises and help Thomas in a minute as he comes to read your passage to us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing our second song now. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. A second hymn.
Our passage this evening is from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, reading chapter 4, verses 1 to 16 in the Church Bibles, that's page 977. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, but rather but craftiness, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth, in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. May God bless his word to us. Thank you, Thomas. We look forward to hearing what John has to say to us in a moment. Just had a, a bit of a brain freeze in the prayer. I, I remember what it is. It's Carlisle, not the North, so I'm sorry about that. But um, it's lovely to have Mrs. Rao out with us uh, this evening. And um, it's lovely that we can see you one more time and... I'm sure all of us here will be praying for you as you, you go up to Carlisle. Um, the way that you've prayed for us over the many years, it's been a real blessing and we really do pray for you as you go on your journey up there and we pray that, that you really settle in up there. Our third song before John comes to preach us now is, Oh how good it is when the family of God dwell together in spirit, in love and unity, where the bonds of peace, of acceptance and love are the fruits of his presence here among us. I stand when the music starts.
Well, maturity uh, might not be a very exciting word, but it is talking about something that we know is actually quite important. Uh, We love children, Uh, we love young people. A Friday evening was a place of life and vibrance down here. There was enthusiasm, there was energy, uh, there's crazy ideas, there's unrealistic thoughts. It's great to have children. It lifts your spirits, doesn't it, when uh, when you see your grandchildren, they make you smile, you have them come along. And uh, we hope as they go on through life, they stay enthusiastic and uh, energetic, but we expect there will be some changes as well as life goes on. And uh, when they start work or university or start having a family, you'd be a bit worried if they were still exactly the same as they were when they uh, came along here to ACE, perhaps. You want them to be more thought through and a bit more measured, a bit more experienced. So becoming mature is, is a goal in life, isn't it? And being immature is a, is a problem. Acting like a six-year-old is fine when you're a six-year-old, but it's not so good when you're 26 or 46 or 66. Well, our passage that we're looking at this evening in Ephesians is about maturity in church life. We're in chapter 4 of Ephesians, verses 11 to 16. And if I just pick out some words, you can uh, you can see that this is a theme through these verses. So you've got in verse 13, the word uh, mature, to mature manhood. You've got in verse 14, about not being childish, no longer being children. Um, slightly different terms, but of a, of a similar ilk. In verse 12, it talks about building up. And also in verse 16, builds itself up. You've also got terms like uh, grow and, and growing. So verse 15, you've got um, to grow up in every way. And verse 16 makes the body grow. So that there's, there's things about advancement and maturity here in these verses. And I thought it would be good to think about this at the end of an anniversary week. We've had an anniversary week as a church. And I think this could be quite a significant passage. In fact, uh, although I didn't settle on it till mm, quite late in the week, later than I would have liked, maybe Thursday or something like that, um, this is a passage which has been on my mind quite often around anniversary times and as we've approached them. So I'm, I'm actually pleased to be settling on it this year because I think it's a significant passage. And uh, I suppose my question is, reflected really in the title, is what does a mature church look like? Um, you know we're not talking about uh, a, a literal building we're talking about the life, the understanding, the character of the people who come together as the church. What does a mature church, a mature Christian group of people look like? What are the marks of a mature church? We're 190 years old as a, as a church or since believers gathered here. Could it be that we're immature? Are there things that we can be thankful to God for in terms of aspects of maturity? Are there things that we need to guard against losing? Are there things we need to advance in? Well, we could look at different parts of the Bible and they would bring extra light on this theme of maturity, but we're just going to really mainly confine ourselves to these verses this evening. I'm going to read them through because I want you to help me a little bit at the start and I want you to get thinking. So I'm going to read through verses 11 to 16 and then I just want you to call out uh, a few things that you think might be marks of maturity. Marks of maturity. So you won't have exactly the same ones as mine, that's no problem, but it get us all thinking at the start. So let me read verses 11 to 16 again. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Well, there's quite a lot there, but let's have a few starters then. What, what might be a mark of maturity? Being prepared to stand out against the culture you live in. A bit like what you said a few weeks ago about like that verse in Proverbs. Um, you know, blessed are the wounds of a friend. Standing strong, speaking truth. Thank you. Humility. Humility, yes. Thank you. Unity of the faith. Unity, unity of the faith. Stability. Stability? One reason thirteen. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face, for a knowing part, then shall I know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith hope and love of life, but the greatest of these is love. So the light of 1 Corinthians 13 on the matter. Another one? Finish with? Another two. Caring for each other. Caring for each other. Mm. Speaking the truth. Speaking the truth. The Christians are ministering. Christians are ministering. Hmm. Good. Right, okay, that gets our, our, our minds going. Uh, well, I want to pick out, what, when I was thinking through it, uh, this, uh, six things particularly came out to me. And um, I want to, to go through them, really, and for us to think about them as we go through. And this was the first. It's a bit, little bit more subtle, but in some ways it's a very prominent thing. And that's Christ-centred. A mature church is Christ-centred. In fact, there's not quite the exact phrase I want, but I don't know how else to summarise it in just a neat, neat, neat little package. So, Christ-centred. It's about knowing Christ. It's about being like Christ. It's about drawing from Christ. It's about living for Christ. So, in verse 13, you have about the the knowledge growing up in the the knowledge of the Son of God. And then it carries on, mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So you have sometimes markers on the door for how, how sort of, you know, how the height of uh, children and maybe, maybe you make marks as to how old they are and, and how high they've got and, and, and if you have the sort of high point, the standard you're looking to reach, the grown-up version, that is Christ. We're aiming to be like Christ, to, to measure up to Christ, to be like him. We have it in verse 16 as well. And from whom, that's Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every joint. So our thoughts... Uh, about life as a church and what we're like as a church cannot be detached from him. He is everything. Like last week, him we preach. We must abide in him and draw from him. He is the, the head with which we're connected, the, the source of our strength and our life. And if we've just got lots of activities and lots of things happening, but we're not really connected to Christ, there's nothing vital and living in, in our love for Christ, in our knowledge for Christ, then we really are immature if we started at all. Paul says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Reminded of this in the anniversary message about the importance of the, the centrality of the cross of Christ in what we stand for and the message we give. So we need to be clear about that in our minds, don't we? A mature 
church is a Christ-centered church, is linked to Christ, has his power and life coming through it. It is a Christian church. So that's one mark of a mature church, Christ-centered. Don't let us forget that sometimes that can... It's so obvious and yet it can be overlooked and forgotten and we can substitute it for other mere sort of mechanical things, Christ-centred. Another mark of a grown-up church is that it is equipped. It is equipped. It comes here, one word in English, it's actually two different words in, in Greek, but you have it in verse 12 to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And then in verse 16, from the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. Equipped. It's uh, quite a name sometimes in Christian training. I remember when they Stretton, they started up a, a, a sort of training for some of the people in the life of the church. It was called Equip. I had the privilege of going on a, a, a course for, for pastors over the course of a, a year, just a few years ago, done by Sussex Gospel Partnership, and it's called Equip. I know where Beth goes to Nottingham. The, the CU, the main CU meeting that they have during each week is called Equip. Wanting people to be equipped. We need to be equipped. I've been reading about the, the Falklands War 40 years on, and uh, one of the problems they had, and they're trying to, when the British forces were trying to retake the, 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 the Falkland Islands, is that uh, they started to run out of helicopters. They lost some of their helicopters, and uh, that became a real sort of resource constraint. And of course, they wanted to get people onto the land, from the sea to the land, in order to take the island, but it's not just about getting the troops on. They had to get the equipment on, and that was part of the trouble. Not just people, but equipment. They had to get the, the, the they had to get the, the weaponry, the ammo on. They had to get the supplies on to help the troops so that they were equipped for what they were doing. Verse eleven refers to leaders. The ascended Christ has given many gifts to the church, and some of the ones going through verse eleven are particularly those of leadership and teaching. And uh, one time, sometimes it's possible to think that uh, it is the leaders in the church um, that are supposed to do everything. That they're the ones appointed, and they're the ones that are paid. Um, they're, they're the ones who should be doing all the work, and, and some churches seem to see it like that. But here we see that, the, that a chief part of their role is to equip others, to release others, to encourage others. They are to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. This passage is really given what's sometimes called, uh, points to every member ministry. Verse 16. From the whole body, joined together, held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly. So there's an equipping. And here we, we do aim, we have aimed to equip people for works of service. We do it through uh, the regular ministry, through encouraging people in their use of gifts. But it is a big concern of us in leadership positions and I'm sure it's an area we could do more on. And it's something we feel the pressure on and the burden of because God has given so many gifts to the church. In fact, every member has a gift as part of the body and we want them to feel encouraged and using that gift in the service of the church. We want them to be equipped. And uh, it's a bit beyond us sometimes to properly encourage that and facilitate us. To Do pray for us but also think personally about your, your situation. Individually, be concerned to be equipped. Many of you have wanted that. You want to be useful. You, you, want, to, you want to be involved in the, the work 
of the church, the work of the gospel. So you, you study the word and you come to services and you speak to others and you, you think and you're asking, how, how can I help? What can I do? Good to look to be equipped, increasingly equipped. I was talking to somebody a bit younger than me last week who's in a, a stage of life where they're quite busy with family life and quite busy with work, but he was saying, but I don't want to waste my life. I don't want the years, my best years to go by without being useful. I want to be useful. Well, take that sort of spirit on you. Don't be on the sidelines. We talked about this last week. Now, don't be on the suspense. Don't be on the sidelines when you could be on the pitch don't let the years go by. A, uh, a mature church is an equipped, functioning, all serving together church. Equipped. As some churches have focused it all on one particular leader, one main leader. And then when that person is unwell, it's unwise. And when that person is unwell, or when that person deteriorates, or when that people moves on or taken away, it's just the church is in no position to carry on. There should be a, a, an equippedness, ideally, about the church as a whole. And as well as equipped, a mature church is united. Uh, one of the pictures we have here is of of a body, and it's a brilliant picture, isn't it? It comes up different times times in the Bible. It's a brilliant picture of different things working together as one, with one goal in unity. Verse 12, it talks about building up the body of Christ. Verse 16 makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So you've got that united picture of a body, but you've also got the word unity coming up in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Immaturity leads to squabbling, doesn't it? Children can be best friends one minute and then there's shouts and tears and punches the next minute. It's a feature of being childish. But hopefully it's different with the parents. Churches can be immature in this way. Corinth was like that. We've already had Corinth referred to. I was going to refer to chapter 3 in 1 Corinthians. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, you're being babyish, you're being childish. In what way were they being babyish and in what way were they being childish? Verse 4, for one says, I am, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow Christ elsewhere. And they were being divided up and they were squabbling and rivalry was amongst them. We can have decades behind us as a church and yet be childish. You have people not talking to each other, people competing with each other, people backstabbing one another. Unity is a feature of maturity. And the more conscious we are of being in Christ... the more we will be united. You've heard of the picture of the, the bike wheel. You think of the, the bike wheel and the way the spokes all around the outside are wonderfully aligned so that the wheel can go on it and it looks all very... And it's all because they're in the hub. And they're in the hub together so they're aligned on the outside. And as we are in Christ, united and sense that and, and, and act like that, then there will be unity Amongst us. The whole chapter, really, of this Ephesians 4 so far has been chiefly about unity. We are one in many ways. We had it read to us one body, verse 4, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. He's saying you are united. There is, a, there is one thing that centers you together. We're to endeavor to maintain that unity. 
walk in a manner, verse 1, worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How we prize unity? We may, do we endeavour, make every effort towards unity? Are we more united as years go by? If we think back five years, ten years, is, is unity the trajectory of the character of our life? Well, it will be if we're a mature church. And if you come around from other churches, that will be the case for you too. A fourth mark of maturity. You'll see that some of these, I'm just sort of repeating what some some of you said at the start. That's the way I hoped it would be. Stable. Uh, A mature church is stable. The picture changes in verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So we looked out to to see uh, earlier in the week from Seaford. And uh, there were two things that uh, struck me, or I noticed particularly in terms of experiences on the sea as I looked out. There was a jet skier um, with an inflatable on tow and there were four people lying on the inflatable, holding on to ropes, laughing their heads off as they bounced over the waves of the sea, which weren't very big, but they still had good fun. Then later that evening, I watched as the Dieppe ferry glided uh, gently into New Haven Harbour, returning from Dieppe in France. And as I thought about them both, I thought, well, I'd know which I'd prefer to be on in bad weather and rough seas. In fact, I know what I'd prefer to be on in calm seas too, but I I think some of you might have a different view on that. But uh, the New Haven ferry would win for me but certainly in rough seas and bad weather. Churches live really so much of the time in rough seas. There's all sorts of ideas blowing left, right and centre. There's lots of changing views. You've experienced it in terms of what is wrong and what is right. There are fashionable theories which take hold about who God is or isn't. And God wants churches to be a New Haven ferry rather than a jet ski inflatable. Being mature in knowledge in the Son of God gives stability. so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So our heritage uh, as a church of having decades of Bible teaching is a great help, isn't it? In stabilising. The emphasis that Luke gave in the week about uh, the place of the Word of God in our life is a great message which will help stabilise us in the midst of very changing philosophies and fashions and trends. Uh, One of the reasons I feel so pleased about um, a a good number of folk here over the years going on the Sussex Gospel Partnership courses is is those courses have had a respect for the Word and they want people to understand the Word and think through the Word. And they just think, what a stabilising influence that is for us as a church in coming decades to have so many people, whether they've gone on the course or not, I know people want that, and and they're stable because they've got a biblical mindset and a, a big group grasp of biblical truth and that will be a keeping influence used by God in our life.
stability, not in mere traditions, but stability in God's word. Well, perhaps you can apply that individually as well. Do do personally drink in God's word. While you're young, get into patterns of delight, delighting to read the Bible. Read extra books if you can. Come to the meetings. Talk through things. Grasp the word while you're young. It will be such a stabilising influence for you personally. be such a stabilising influence for this church or whichever church you end up going to. Drink in the truth. You go to school, you go to choppy waters. You head off to work and mix. You have choppy waters. You go to university, you have choppy waters and different winds and thoughts. You read the news. You look at your news items on the mobile, you watch your Sky News or your BBC. Be grounded in God's word to keep stable through the things that come your way. Stable. Uh, The next one is connected. They're all quite a bit connected actually. And that is truth speaking. Truth speaking. This is both a feature of being mature and it's a means of getting there as well. Verse 15. Rather, so in contrast to being blown all over the place, rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. To grow in Christ's likeness to increase in unity, to resist false teaching, we need to encourage one another by speaking the truth. Speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth, hearing the truth, singing the truth, passing on the truth. It's a means of maturing us as a church as we do that. Now, this could be at a home group or a Bible study where truth is exchanged. It could be what you text to a friend or that WhatsApp or message you send out. It could be as you have a heart-to-heart over coffee and you encourage somebody with biblical truth. Speaking the truth in love. Sometimes it will involve helping us to see more clearly how we should live. Helping somebody else to see more clearly how they should live. Paul said that this was a a sign of maturity in Romans 15. In Romans 15 and verse 14 you have this said. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. It's a sign of maturity. People passing on truth, encouraging, correcting one another. If we don't speak truth uh, and have truth going round us, it will almost be like circulation problems in a body. So if somebody has, some people do suffer from this, they have swollen feet, painful feet, unhealthy feet. And it's because the, the blood is not getting down to the feet properly, sufficiently. And it's not able to pass on the goodness that's needed and to do the clearance work that's needed. There's a problem with the circulation and it affects the life of the body. But as we are clearly connected to the truth of Jesus Christ and as that is flowing through us as a a body and passed on and, and the goodness of it is getting to people because it's passed on through others, then the goodness of, of the head is passed through to us all. 
Don't be a blockage. Seek not to be a blockage. May God keep us from being blockages, but rather to be open airways of the truth to one another. It will be a sign of maturity and it will be a cause of maturity. That's something you'd like to be. Speak the truth. The final point balances that uh, nicely and it also came up at the start and that is loving. Loving. A mature church, a mark of mature church is it's a loving church and you have that twice, verses 15 and 16. Rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way. And then it ends, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It's possible, following on from telling truth, to, to tell people the truth or the things that we think they ought to know uh, roughly, uh, unkindly, harshly, proudly, judgmentally. It's possible to make clear our doctrinal differences and discernment in a way which is mean, unhelpful, damaging. I went to uh, two different conferences in my younger years and um, there were two conferences where truth was very much taught. It was a sort of emphasis of the conference to be correct, biblically correct. And I found the differences in spirit of those two conferences very wide. I found that one, to me, seemed to teach truth very warmly, very lovingly, very humbly, very kindly. And uh, that's not how the other one affected me, where the truth was held to and taught in a way which didn't seem so consistent with what we read earlier about with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. This is, this is what is encouraged, isn't it? Speaking the truth in love. Paul says um, to the Colossians, above all things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Been struck by the new commandment again, reading it recently. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Love is almost, can we say, uh, the, the cement in a church which binds it together, if you're thinking of the picture of the building. You can have the building blocks and they can all be there uh, and it can have some stature and, and highness, but they're coexisting, they're not really joined if there's no cement. And, and if they come under pressure, they will just cave in because there's nothing joining them together. Love, though, is the cement in the life of the church. Speaking the truth in love. John Stott says uh, this on this passage in Ephesians. I know it can be a bit hard to listen to a, a red quote, but I think this is worth it. So listen to this. Thank God there are those in the contemporary church who are determined at all costs to defend and uphold God's revealed truth. But sometimes they are conspicuously lacking in love. When they think they smell heresy, their nose begins to twitch, their muscles ripple, and the light of battle enters their eye. They seem to enjoy nothing more than a fight. Others make the opposite mistake. They are determined at all costs to maintain and exhibit brotherly love, but in order to do so, they are prepared even to sacrifice the central truths of revelation both these tendencies are unbalanced and unbiblical. Truth becomes hard if it's not softened by love. Love becomes soft 
if it's not strengthened by truth. Good for us to think about individually. If we got the balance right, speaking the truth in love. Is it just truth and no love? Is it just love and no truth? Or is it speaking the truth in love? So there's six uh, features of a mature church, I think, from this passage. And, and this is no small thing in Paul's eyes. Because in this book, this letter, the church is prized so highly. It is the bride of Christ. It is the temple of God. The manifold wisdom of God shines through the church. Christ is glorified in the church according to this letter. And so the church being mature is a big issue to Paul. Maturity of the church is a big matter. And it is a big matter to us. So it would be good for us to pray through. Maybe this week, take one item a day maybe, and pray that God would help us as a church and those churches we know to have these marks of maturity. Other things we can thank God for. Other things we can pray about. Other things we've overlooked. Other things we can advance in. What does a mature church look like? Well, hopefully... Going through this passage this evening has helped us to see some of the answers. Um, I think we'll we just have a pause for thought before we sing our last hymn. It may, it may be something that you especially want to pick up in, in prayer and what we've looked at. So let's allow time for that before we sing. Well, shall we sing our last song then, which uh, picks up on the sort of the body theme of coming together as a group of people who want to work together in the life of the church and the spread of the gospel. We all are one in mission. We all are one in call. Our varied gifts united by Christ, the Lord of all.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have had the privilege of thinking through this very significant passage at the end of this week. And the the wisdom of it appeals to us. We see the worth of these things that we have noticed and thought about. We pray, Lord, that you would help us uh, to grow in these areas. We pray that you would help us to guard and preserve what we have in these areas. We pray, Lord, that our church here and the churches represented here may glorify Christ by being increasingly mature. We pray this in his name. Amen.